0: The following podcast episode contains discussion of personal experiences of medical diagnoses and procedures. None of the people featured are medical professionals, and you should seek your own medical advice from your own doctor if you suspect that you have sleep apnea. You're listening to Sleep Apnea Stories. I'm Emma Cooksey. And if like me, you're living with a chronic sleep problem, you just find the place for inspiration, hope, and encouragement. I'm not a doctor, but I have spent more than 10 years coping with sleep apnea. And I have a great deal to share about strategies I've used to live more fully every day. Find tools to live your best life while managing your symptoms. We'll hear inspiring stories from all sorts of people making the best of life with sleep apnea. This is Sleep Apnea Stories, and I'm glad you're here. Welcome to Sleep Apnea Stories. I'm Emma Cooksey, and I'm your host. Today's episode is an interview I did with Dr. Natasha Hassam Sarwar and Natasha is an airway and sleep focused dentist and also a sleep coach and she's in Dallas, Texas. So I really enjoy talking to Natasha. I've been following her on Instagram for a while and I love how she takes a holistic view of sleep apnea and um, So obviously she talks about oral appliances and treating sleep apnea that way or with a CPAP, but also she's talking about nutrition and exercise and all the lifestyle changes you can make um, to really help with your sleep apnea. Um, So we talked all about Everything to do with sleep apnea. <laughs> um so we talked about teeth grinding, we talked about mouth breathing versus nostril breathing, and we also talked about um kids having teeth extracted and that causing like like I had four teeth um taken out because I was getting braces and there wasn't enough room. So that's all how they would deal with that in the past. And that actually can create airway issues. So I just find it super interesting talking to Natasha, I think you will too. So here's my conversation with Dr. Natasha Hassam Sarwar. So welcome, Natasha. It's really
1: Thank you for fun. having me. <laughs> sure.
0: um, so tell us a little bit about so you're a dentist, but you specialize in airways and breathing and like sleep dentistry, I guess they call it. (laughs) So tell us a little bit about where you are and your business.
1: Sure, sure. Thank you for having me, Emma. I am located in Dallas, Texas, airway dentistry and sleep apnea therapy. Um, So what we do in my practice is we um, treat Obstructive sleep apnea patients with oral appliance therapy or orthodontic therapy um, like Invisalign. Um, so, what we do is we have patients come in for a consultation, speak to them about their lifestyle, what's going on. Um, we do an analysis of their teeth, their bite, their jaw relationships, their throat, the muscles around the head and neck. And then we, you know, have them take a sleep test if that's needed to determine um, if they do have sleep apnea and the extent of it. Do
0: you actually do sleep studies yourself or you just decide that people need to have them and kind of refer that out?
1: Um, Sometimes I will do a sleep study on the patient. I have a home sleep test that I utilize. Oh, great. Um, It depends on the situation and of course, the patient's um, physique, willingness to take it, um, insurance coverage out-of-pocket payments, things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, So I do offer a sleep test. And what we do when we offer the sleep test um, through the office is we use a virtual sleep physician to um, corroborate the findings, give us a diagnosis. Um, If patients already are seeing a sleep physician or have seen a sleep physician in the past or refer them back to their sleep physician, Um, or if we feel that they are a severe case and we're not getting, not going to be able to get a good reading likely they not they may go to CPAP route first at least and right. then um, if that doesn't work we'll have them come back to us for some oral appliance therapy
0: yeah so a lot of people I think with sleep apnea will start the route of the CPAP and then just because there's like we've talked about on previous episodes like because a lot of people have a tough time with CPAP then they're left not using the cpap and not treating their sleep apnea at all and then we'll be looking for something like an oral appliance as a a, you know like solution that they can actually sleep with kind of thing i think the thing that really caught my attention though was you said on your i'm totally obsessed with your instagram account um so you said something about sleep coaching Tell me all about what sleep coaching and like maybe I need a sleep coach like <laughs> what kind of things do you do, you do with sure. clients through that
1: Absolutely so I first started um, the sleep coaching because through my practice I noticed that a lot of patients who didn't qualify as a sleep apnea patient or even an upper airway resistance patient still had a lot of sleep issues and you know were were either insomniacs or just, um, had trouble falling asleep, like an everyday person, mm-hmm. um, not unhealthy, nothing of that sort. Um, so I started to counsel them a little bit in, in-house and then I, you know, um, started to do it as a side practice and I've developed it in that sense. And what we do is we have clients that can find me through my practice or online. Um, and we go through step-by-step their daily routine, what their in and outs of the day, what, they cons- what their nutrition looks like, what their sleep style changes that need to be implemented. We talk about those. Um, we want to see how their um, anxiety levels are. Anxiety is a huge contributing factor to sleep, um, sleep huge. Yeah. poor sleep, insomnia, um, stress levels, especially in today's situation. Um, well, I 2020. Oh, stress and anxiety are at the top of those.
0: Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know about you,
0: because I I think, um, because I've, I dealt with anxiety and depression a long time before I knew I had sleep apnea. So during, you know, most of my 20s, I was just, I actually had all of the sleep apnea symptoms, but I would go to the doctor, you know, in floods of tears and saying, I'm exhausted. But, you know, mainly be, I feel really anxious and my chest is really tight all the time. And and all this kind of thing and so it's funny in 2020 because i feel like me and a few of my friends who already were suffering with anxiety and already have kind of a almost like a toolkit of things that we do so we already do yoga and meditation and you know don't drink caffeine and and all the different things and then i feel like there's a bunch of my other friends who Have never had issues with anxiety and depression and they're kind of late to the party, but now it's 2020 and they're like, Oh, I just I really don't feel good and my, you know, like my stress levels, and we're all just kind of like, Yeah. (laughs) But absolutely and help them with what to do. But it's just fun. It's just been a really strange year.
1: Oh, that's without a doubt. And the and the thing with anxiety and sleep is A lot of patients who have sleep apnea already are at a higher risk for depression, anxiety. So poor sleep creates it and anxiety creates poor sleep. So it's such a vicious cycle that meditation, journaling, yoga, um, healthy diets, stuff we can change in our lifestyle can really drastically improve our sleep. And the effects that it has on a person's life are literally life-changing. And Mm -hmm. that's why I'm so passionate about not only treating sleep apnea clinically, but trying to get a person the best sleep possible, even if it's seven hours of sleep and it's not, you know, we're not looking to get a person up to 10, 12 hours of sleep. That's not, that's not healthy. We, you know, we want seven hours, six to seven hours of really good sleep and performance improves, relationships improve, health Mm -hmm. improves. Um, Your mental health is really affected by poor sleep. So to me, that's also very important because we do see a lot of mental health issues occurring in patients who are suffering from sleep apnea. So that was one big factor that got me into sleep apnea to begin with was a patient who was suffering from mental health and physical health, um, but her mental status had changed so much after her sleep apnea was taken care of and addressed that that's what inspired me to get into this to begin with. Um,
0: i think what i think what you're doing is is great and part of it is so just knowing for when i was diagnosed like 12 years ago i just didn't really know like you just don't know the time you just go for your sleep study you get a cpap you just feel alone and you feel you feel like like honestly my anxiety and depression did improve once i had the cpap and i was getting enough oxygen in my brain and so so part of it did improve but i think that it's also a chronic sleep problem right so it's it's doesn't just go away like you're treating it either with a cpap or with an oral appliance but i feel like a lot of the emotional layers to it you know you're still coping with this thing that other people don't have and it um it just affects every area of your life you know like i I think that even though i sleep with my cpap and and you know everybody like my sleep doctor particularly would think it was taking all the boxes and you know i'm doing all like keeping on long enough and and doing all of that but it's still um I still deal with some, you know, residual issues. It's not like they all go away. So I think that um, to have this holistic approach where you're looking at people's mental health and all the different, like what they're eating and what their bedtime routine is and all those things, like, I think that's huge. Because like, that's really, I think one of the reasons I wanted to start my podcast was it's taken me twelve years, really, to to develop like all the different strategies that I use all the time. Like like I journal as well. I think journaling is huge. Exercising every day in the morning and getting enough sunshine and just it's really important. So I think that there's a lot of people who start out with the CPAP thing and after a month they're like, I don't feel a hundred percent better. I'm still suffering with all these things, you know. So and um, so one of the things you you mentioned ages ago and um, our conversation was was you mentioned upper airway resistance syndrome did i get it right UARS yes. i've only just discovered this so so can you explain a little bit about what that is and versus sleep apnea like what's the difference between those two things
1: sure upper airway resistance syndrome is often referred to as the young fit female syndrome because it doesn't follow the same characteristics as sleep apnea. Sleep apnea is known to be in uh, typically older males, overweight, um, but now we're starting to see it in a different way, I think because screening is occurring more, but with upper area resistance syndrome, you take a sleep study and it won't show that you have any sleep apnea, but yet you still wake up unrefreshed. You still have the same symptoms of tiredness throughout the day. You can actually um, have symptoms of, of IBS. You get hypotension. So your blood pressure drops throughout the day. Um, you can have cold extremities, headaches. So similar symptoms, but not quite the same as sleep apnea. The other thing is, is the, diff- the main difference is when you have upper airway resistance syndrome, you're not getting periods of oxygen obstruction. So the flow becomes harder for the air to flow through the body because there is slight constriction, but there's not obstruction. Okay. So So they're not actually stopping breathing. Right, right. You're still getting all the oxygen, but you're not getting it at the amounts that you need, but you are getting it. So say, for example, a person is sleeping throughout the whole night and they wake up and they're not feeling refreshed. What we do is we look at are you stopping to breathe for greater than 10 seconds throughout the night or are you less than that and you still getting adequate oxygen? So what we call people who are getting adequate oxygen are the upper airway resistance and above it would be the obstructive sleep apnea. Okay. However, we can't disregard the upper airway resistance syndrome as healthy sleeping or healthy breathing because you're still getting side effects and it still affects the body in a lot of ways. So we still treat them with oral appliances in in, in many cases. If we can do lifestyle changes, like promote um, nasal breathing in a lot of patients or weight loss or um, healthy um, nutrition, sometimes we can see changes in them physically that remove the a resistance and increase airflow so you don't have to treat them with oral appliances and that goes for, same for the um, mild um obstructive sleep apnea if we mm-hmm. can do lifestyle changes and positional therapy and weight loss we don't need to always treat them with oral appliances mm-hmm. and that's a long-term solution um for them yeah then, um- you know
0: So you, you mentioned about nasal breathing, and so I have had. I know it's not all about me, but it's kind of my podcast, so it kind of is. Um, okay. so um, I've been like I. I basically am kind of like the poster girl for sleep apnea. I have every single symptom possible, and I've been a mouth breather my whole life. Like I had giant tonsils that weren't taken out until I was 19. So until recently, I just kind of was like, "Yeah, I breathe through my mouth." Like. It's not really that big of a deal. And when I was diagnosed with sleep apnea and got my CPAP, the only thing was they were like, you definitely have to have a full face mask because you're breathing through your mouth. And so I kind of was like, okay. well, recently I've started reading a lot more about how mouth breathing is not normal breathing like you're supposed to be breathing through your nose so can you explain a little bit about you know like this why you should be breathing through your nose sure
1: mouth breathing is not normal they call it a fight or flight, uh, um, type of form of breathing so if you're in a you know situation where you're in danger you'll start breathing through your mouth to get more oxygen into your body so you can function at a higher level mm-hmm. Um. Nasal breathing is a parasympathetic, a rest and digest type of breathing, form of breathing. And what happens when we nasal breathe is, we produce nitric oxide. That nitric oxide is very beneficial in our bodies. It would it produces a um, relaxation, anti-inflammatory effect on our blood vessels, our arteries, so that we can get more oxygen throughout the body. Mm. Um, when we breathe through our mouth, we don't get any nitric oxide. Studies say that you're inhaling more oxygen than what your body needs. So you're hyperventilating your body and you're not getting the, the beneficial effects of nitric oxide. And on top of that, from a dental standpoint, you're causing your mouth to become dry, which is higher risk of cavities. And um, when you're not closing your mouth, your tongue is not in a, in a proper position with regards to your palate. So we see this in young children who are are mouth breathers is they don't develop properly. Their mouth actually turns out to be smaller than what we would like. Adequate jaw growth, palatal growth leads to a higher risk of sleep apnea as an adult. Because your tongue doesn't have enough space to sit in the jaws, when you sleep, it rolls back and that occludes the airway.
0: When you said about, so, so do you think that's why I had to have loads of teeth pulled out when I got braces?
1: Absolutely. So what happens is when... when We're just we figuring go, me out, Natasha. We're just figuring it all out today. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad to be of service. What happens is um, I, I was actually a chronic, I'm still a chronic mouth bleeder, breather, excuse me. I, um, I have nasal obstruction, so I'm working on that. Um, but a lot of people who cannot breathe through their nose, deviated septums, polyps. Um, once you get in with your mouth, um, you just habit forms and you do it. It's easier for you. Mm-hmm. And then over time, our jaws that don't expand at the same rate as somebody who breathes through their nose, that leads to when we get braces or when you know we're trying to do orthodontic treatment, we just can't expand the jaws enough. A lot of dentists, a lot of orthodontists that studied ages ago, they are not a fan of expansion. They don't look at expansion. They say, oh, it's easier and quicker to just pull teeth and straighten. They're not worried about size of jaws, tongue placement, nasal development, because when you expand the top jaw, you're actually expanding the nasal cavity, easier to breathe through your nose. Oh. When you have a narrow nasal Uh, nasal passage your upper jaw is narrow and v-shaped it's much harder to get air through your nose think of it kind of like a a funnel a a bigger or a pipe a pipe that's bigger has easier time getting air through it you take a small pipe you're not going to get as much at the same time so if we restrict our nasal cavity and our nasal passages you're not able to get as much air as somebody who had the um, wider jaws or the the maxillary expansion. Um, So that's why with nasal breathing, I recommend to a lot of my patients who do get oral appliances, try nasal strips or a nasal dilator like mute. Those will help increase your oxygen flow through the nose and aid in nasal breathing.
0: So I know what, you just mean the little nasal strips. You just mean those things that you get from the pharmacy that kind of make your nose kind of go like this. Um, What's a nasal dilator?
1: So a nasal dilator or a nasal cone is a little device that you put in kind of right here. It sits on your nasal bridge or your, sorry, your nasal septum right here in between between your nostrils. Yeah. Mm -hmm and um, it opens up the nostril so in a lot of people sometimes the nostril can close on them not the area where the septum is and so what we do is we expand it and allow for oxygen flow
0: and it's called a nasal dilator dilator Mm -hmm. and so is that a thing that you go to a dentist like you or, or is it like a permanent thing or it's just like a removable thing that you put in at night
1: it's removable. You can get it at the pharmacy. Um, oh. One popular brand is mute M U T E. Okay. And, uh, you can order them online. Um, if you were to Google nasal dilator, or nasal cone, you'll come up with. Am I the options. only person that doesn't know about this? They're pretty new okay. um, in popularity. <laughs> They've been out for some time, but most people, I don't even—I had never heard of it until a couple years ago. So okay. I don't think uh, uh, most people have become aware of them. But they're great. Um, it's a great option, especially if you even if you don't wear an appliance and you're just trying to um, start nose breathing, nasal breathing, you can mouth tape and use the nasal dilator and it will help you get that oxygen flow going. Okay. So what do you think about
0: mouth taping? Cause I feel like it's almost like, uh, like it's all over, like Pinterest and Instagram and everybody seems to be taping their mouths, but I'm thinking I would literally die. A lot
1: of people wouldn't be able to tolerate it. I always advise, it's excellent. If you can do it and help yourself breathe through your nose, you you will feel more rested when you wake up in the morning. Nasal breathing makes you more rested, even if nothing else changes. Okay. If you get that same seven or six hours of sleep, even five hours of sleep, breathing through your nose will help you feel more refreshed regardless. So if you can try to mouth uh, mouth take for even a couple of hours at night to get that nasal breathing, you're better off. I always recommend that, of course, you make sure you can breathe through your nose, so try it in the daytime two minutes start with one two three go up and see if you can even do it for 20 minutes at a time throughout the day just to make sure you can breathe through your nose and at night until you start to get used to it you will naturally rip it off if you can't breathe through your nose you'll your body will do it for you it'll come off um, so that you resume mouth breathing
0: See, I I only, I was just going to say, like, the only reason I know that I can breathe through my nose is from going to yoga. (laughs) And, like, I mean, I can't, like, if I did alternate nostril breathing, like, one of the sides, I definitely don't get that much air in. But, like, overall, like, I do try at yoga, or, like, when I'm meditating, or whatever, because that's short periods, right, where you're, like, okay, now we're breathing through my nose. But, it's more like the whole longer term with, without thinking about it. I just go back to breathing through my mouth because that's the way I've always kind of done it. Right. So maybe I'll make a like concerted effort. Maybe it can be my little, my next little project is nasal breathing. It's all about,
1: Yeah. It's all about um, training the body again. And that same thing with people who are restless at night or have, you know, uh, insomnia, it's all about training the body. As long as there's no underlying sleep disorder, the body can be checking up breathing through your nose. Um, it does take effort. It's, it takes time. It's not something that's gonna happen over one night, one week, or even one month. Um, it takes six months to a year to really get that best sleep you can get. Um within six weeks you can train yourself to sleep fairly well, but to be consistent, it takes time. Mm-hmm. Um I would never recommend somebody to go, you know, put on mount tape without being in, in that state of, yes, I can do it. It's a lot Mm -hmm. of, it's a mental game. You don't want to just say, okay, go, go mouth tape and you're you're fine. No, you have to train them how to do it, how to breathe through your nose, how to be confident enough to go to sleep with tape on your mouth and feel like you're not suffocating or that you don't have an anxiety attack. Right. Um, So it's never, and that's what it is. And it's never just putting mouth tape on and saying, go to sleep. You have to build up your, your mental stamina to get there your mental frame you have to change how you're thinking about your sleep in order to be successful to sleep through the night breathing through your nose Mm -hmm. Um, and that's where I feel that sleep coaching comes in because a lot of people can't breathing or they're waking up one or two times throughout the night but falling asleep for them is no problem then you have that's called um, maintenance insomnia and then you have the other type of insomnia where you can't sleep but you fall asleep you're good to go um, so it just depends on the person and how you're framing your um fears, your anxiety, how we talked about it how you live your your day to day your lifestyle are you getting adequate sunlight are your circadian rhythms intact? Um, are you severely jet lagged? are you a night shift worker? So all these things come into play when it talks about when we talk about sleep, mm-hmm. things that we may not think of and I think so much of
0: it is to do with the mental element of it. Like, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head because I, I I don't know, you know, friends of mine, like, I've never really suffered from insomnia. Like, I just, it's pure sleep apnea. <laughs> but, you know, friends of mine who have insomnia, like, it seems like so much of that is like, now I'm waking up and now I'm not going to get enough sleep and it's like the whole mental like story that you're telling yourself about how much sleep you're getting and another thing that I suffer with which is very common for sleep apnea is the clenching and grinding my teeth at night a little bit about like why that happens if we know and how you recommend like treating that
1: absolutely so Grinding and clenching is one of the signs and symptoms that we see in sleep apnea patients because when we're sleeping at night, an untreated uh, sleep apnea patient will be sleeping at night and their tongue and starts to go back into their throat and their body stops breathing. All of a sudden, they'll get that fight or flight symptom. It'll wake them up. Their jaw will start to move back into place Um when our body wakes up and moves our jaw back into place we sometimes don't consciously wake up it's just our body so we don't even know we're grinding or clenching at night what happens is is the more um, symptoms of obstructive apneas you have the more your jaw will move back and forth so what happens is you have the, cl- the collapsing of the tongue into the throat your jaw will push forward to bring it back out multiple times throughout your tender in your tmj your tenter in your um, muscles around the jaw yes you have trouble opening um in the morning Mm -hmm. yes it's very very common and that between that and snoring you can tell a patient um i feel that you would be um, benefiting by getting a sleep test to be honest um those are two of the the Best predictors of sleep apnea. Mm-hmm. So, what we do to treat it is if a patient is on oral appliance therapy, that will help limit it. It won't solve it 100% because a lot of times patients become accustomed to the grinding. So, your jaw may still move side to side slightly, and we uh, use appliances that allow for that movement, but you won't be closing. So your teeth won't be touching and grinding per se because of the way the appliance pulls you forward and keeps you slightly open. For, um, for patients who are on CPAP therapy, it's still possible to grind. Um, when you are on CPAP therapy, theoretically, you're getting all the oxygen you need. You're not having apneas. But again, the body sometimes is in the mode of, oh, I always grind and clench. Let's go back to that. Mm-hmm. Like and a not habit. Only can you grind and clench from habit. Mm-hmm. And sometimes stressors can also contribute to clenching. Mm-hmm. So in patients that clench and grind because of added stress, um, I recommend night guards, but when it comes to CPAP use, a lot of times it's just too much for them. So what what we do is we can make a night guard for a person who's using CPAP. A lot of times we can use um oral appliance and CPAP therapy combined if it's if it's beneficial for them. So we can actually hook up an oral appliance to the CPAP um, and use it that way. The third option would be to Together? try stress relief techniques before.
0: Natasha, I already told my dentist, like, I'm already wearing a CPAP. It's fine. But like, If I'm going to be wearing a mouth guard and a CPAP, like, and now you're saying an oral appliance. So those
1: CPAPs. I don't know. So, this, so the oral client CPAP therapy combined therapy, the the mouthpiece and the and the CPAP uh, um, mask are a little different. So you're, you don't get that full facial effect. It's more okay. of like a BiPAP through the nose. So it's a little smaller and less obtrusive to the face. Oh, got um, it. Okay. But yes, otherwise nobody would ever want to do that because I understand that the CPAP mask is quite, quite heavy in its own yeah. uh, sense. I always tell my patients who get night guards, try to do relaxation techniques before bedtime um and of course it's not always 100 percent you're you're going to have nights where you're worse than other nights mm-hmm. um but when you have when you have a cpap theoretically you should stop grinding because you're not having obstructive apneas anymore but because you do have that um, memory in your body that you're you've gr- you know ground your teeth for years and years you may still continue to do so not at the same rate mm-hmm. So for those patients who are doing it and are seeing the effects, we still would recommend a night guard just to help prevent any fractures of teeth or damages to fillings. But a lot of our patients, they, they don't want to, and I understand that completely, who are on CPAP, um, but they don't uh, complain at the same rate that they used to before. So we don't see the damaging effects at a great rate with patients who are on CPAP. So I'm okay with letting my CPAP patients not have uh, a night guard if they don't feel that they're um, clenching and grinding every single night. Um, Yeah, I'm pretty much clenching and grinding every single night. Every night. Yeah. Uh, I would definitely recommend a night guard. You just, just, one, you want to make sure that your CPAP is effective. You want to make sure that you are not relapsing in any way right? and you're not having any obstructive apneas because Sometimes CPAP needs to be adjusted. Things need to be changed. We need to look at you know the, the pressure it's on, etc., to make sure you aren't having any new apneas. Mm-hmm. That would be one. And two, if you are still grinding and clenching after that, then I would you know definitely recommend um, to look into either combination therapy or a night guard. You don't want to damage your your teeth for the long term because um, you know the more you clench and grind, you're, not only your muscles are you know getting more and more tender, but you are damaging the teeth. What
0: is gonna happen are my teeth gonna just fall out <laughs>
1: no do will fall out what happens is um you can grind them down so that the white part of the tooth the enamel thins out so much the inner part of the tooth the dentin is exposed and you have a higher risk of cavities on on that oh. dentin area because it's not as protected a lot of people feel sensitive and then what else can happen is the outer portion of the tooth um from all the pressure starts to chip out slowly and those chips can get worse and worse over time and that can lead to fracturing of the tooth and when you get fractured of the tooth at that point we're looking at you know possibility of restoring it with crowns or veneers or um, needing root canals and and if it's so bad then even removing the tooth and thinking about an implant and things like that so the list goes on of treatment options but um, yes an occlusal guard or a night guard um, will definitely help prevent a lot of that it won't prevent you from grinding and clenching but it'll prevent the damage the
0: damage right and so it Mm -hmm. so
1: yeah i don't know because the thing that bothers me
0: of course when i go to the dentist the dentist like stop grinding your teeth Um, but the things that bother me are the pain in my jaw and you know like clicking and all this kind of thing so yeah it's a lot to deal with
1: It is. (laughs) Another option that a lot of people have been looking into um, is Botox into the masseter muscle, which is the muscle that when you clench your teeth, you'll feel it Mm -hmm. sticking out a little bit more. That's the masseter. So Botox injections into the masseter muscle make it less hyperactive, and that reduces clenching and grinding at nighttime for a lot of people. Again, I don't recommend to do it until you have an evaluation for sleep apnea and you know, see your dent mm-hmm. patients who are, who are clenching and grinding but don't have an apnea event or who already are being treated for apneas and still are clenching and grinding. So I, I think that's a great option for a lot of people. But I always recommend to patients to have a thorough evaluation before jumping to even a simple night guard or um, Botox because you want to make sure it's not an underlying condition. So right. One. Right. Plus, I couldn't
0: be judgy about my friends having Botox if I then got Botox, (laughs) even though it would be like not for wrinkles, but still. Thank you so much for joining me today. And I really appreciate um, all of your insights. And I'm going to go and practice my nasal breathing.
1: Thank you so much for having me today, Emma. I'm so happy that I got to share a little bit about the insides of a sleep apnea practice and sleep coaching. Um, If anybody has any questions, please please feel free to reach out. Um, You can find me on Instagram or on Facebook at um, Dr. Natasha Sarwar um, or email me at drnatashasarwar at gmail.com.
0: Perfect. And I'm going to put all of those links into the show notes. So People can just look down below and they'll be there. And also on my website, um, sleepapneastories.com, I'll have a little um, link to this episode and it'll be on there as well. Thanks so much for listening. If you're enjoying the podcast, please rate and review it. But more importantly, please share it with anyone you know who has sleep apnea. If you'd like to sign up for email, you can go to the website, which is sleepapneastories.com. There's a little box there where you can fill out your email and I will send you a free seven day journal for better sleep with sleep apnea. I did a little PDF printable and it's just got all the things that I use to get back on track when I've had some really bad sleep. And um, so it's got a sleep tracker where you put the number of hours sleep you've had It's got a nutrition tracker. It's got a bit where you record your exercise and meditation, that kind of thing. So it's just kind of a thing that helps me when when I've fallen off the wagon to eat healthier and to do all the right things that help my sleep. So I hope it helps some of you out there. So if you want to get in touch with me, I love hearing from you. Whether you want to share your story on the podcast or you just want to say hi, you can reach me on Instagram at Stories, or by email at sleepapneastories at gmail.com. Thanks very much for listening. I'm Emma Cooksey and I'll see you next time.